Well, all right, today we are going to conclude our series, Rhythms. We've looked at the rhythm of worship, work, and rest, and today we're looking at relationships. And we said in the first week that just as rhythm is essential for music, these things are essential are essentials for healthy living. Uh, we all need uh, all of these things in our life. We're, we're created in such a way that we, we were created to worship, and, and we're created to work, and we, we need rest, and we're going to see today we need relationships. And so, and you know, the first relationship that gets forged is that between, usually, is between mother and child, right? And so, and from then on, life is a series of relationships. Um, a 2019 Time article uh, by Jamie Dutcharm noted that uh, a study found this, quote, the strength of a person's social circle as measured by inbound and outbound cell phone activity was a better predictor of self-reported stress, happiness, and well-being levels than fitness, than a fitness tracker, fitness tracker data on physical activity, heart rate, and sleep. We need healthy relationships. We need friends and family, as, as they're talking about here, supporters. We, we need these things in our life for our mental health, our physical health, for our emotional health, and yes, our spiritual Health And today, I want to look at an incredible example of friendship in the Bible, and that is the friend that Ruth was to Naomi in the book of Ruth. And I want to share with you some biblical principles about healthy relationships and friendships. And here's our bottom line today. God works through relationships, so we should recognize our need and build healthy friendships in our lives. God works through relationships, so we should recognize our need for them and build healthy friendships in our lives lives. And so we're going to be in Ruth chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 6 in here in just a moment. Before we read, I want to kind of uh, set the stage for you for where we pick up in the book of Ruth and what's going on. The Bible tells us that this is the time of the judges. That was an incredibly dark time in the history of Israel. If you want to read about the time of the judges, go to the book of Judges, read that book. Weird stuff taking place. The Bible, the key that references itself over and over and over again in that book is that people did what was right in their own eyes. Uh, to put it in 2020 language, everyone lived their own truth instead of God's truth. And that just, that just created mess after mess after mess as they rebelled against God. And during that time, a famine came on the land. And there's a man named Elimelech, the book of Ruth tells us. And him and his wife, Naomi, they decide rather than plead with God to bring revival and to bring healing to the land, they get out of town. And they go to the land of Moab, which is a strange move uh, for an Israelite in that day because they considered the people of Moab uh, to be their enemies. And so that wasn't a place that you would expect them to go. But they go, they flee the famine and they go there. And uh, so uh, Elimelech takes his family to Moab and then he ultimately, he dies there. And his sons go on to take two women, uh, to take two Moabite women to be their wives. And so, which would have been, which would have been breaking, uh, break, breaking the law that they're marrying outside the covenant of people of God. That's not something an Israelite was supposed to do. Um, that was a, the, the Moabites were an idolatrous people, right? They were not followers of Yahweh. And so then 10 years goes by and the two sons die. And so, so now Naomi, whose husband has died, now her two sons have died and she's left with these two Moabite women and she lives in this foreign, foreign land and that's where we pick up. Ruth chapter one, verse six. Then she, that's Naomi, arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. 
The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept, and they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So here, we, we pause. Naomi, she's gotten good news, right? The famine's over. And this is an obvious sign of the goodness of God in the midst of this dark time. And the text is beginning to swing to show us God's sovereign goodness at work, a major theme in the book of Ruth. And she says the phrase, may the Lord deal kindly with you. That in the Hebrew is a very rich phrase and a key to understanding the book of Ruth. Uh, The word kindly there is the Hebrew word hesed. It speaks to God's kindness, to his faithfulness, to his love, to his mercy, to the grace of God. I, I like the way one scholar put it. It's like all the goodness of God wrapped up in one word. It's an incredible word. It speaks to God's covenant faithfulness towards his people. And she even uses here the covenant name of God, Yahweh, uh, when she talks about this, when she says, may the Lord, may Yahweh deal kindly with you. Well, in this moment, the women weep, and then, then Ruth, it says, clings to her, which is a picture back at the Genesis 2, uh, when God makes Adam and he makes Eve, and, and Adam, uh, it, clean, and it's, it says from then on that a, that a husband will, will cling to his, to his wife in this way when two become one. And so it's a picture of commitment is what he's saying here. He's saying she was uh, really committed to her from that moment on. And that's where we pick up in verse 15. She said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So this phrase here, your people will be my people, kind of awkward when you realize the Israelites don't like the Moabites. And so she's going to go back to the land of Judah, which they, that, typically speaking, that would not have been a well-received guest. So it's kind of an awkward moment here. And she says, your God will be my God. She's not just committing herself to Naomi. She's committing herself to Yahweh. And what the writer is wanting us to see here is that God's at work in their lives. The, the hesed love of God, God's kindness is at work. And it's going to manifest itself here through this relationship is that God is going to bless Naomi in incredible ways through Ruth. So the two women get back to Israel and Naomi tells people there, she, is, she shows up and there's quite the stir because she walks, she's left with a husband and two sons. She comes back with no sons, no husband, but a Moabite woman with her who they would consider an enemy. And the whole place is astir. And they call out to Naomi, whose name means pleasant. And they say, hey, Naomi. And she says, don't call me that. Call me Mara. Because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. And she says this phrase, I left full. And I have come back empty. And just shows you the the bitterness and just the, the heaviness in her life. And she's shown here someone who's struggling. You see calamity and pain and difficulty in her life. And she no longer sees God's goodness and God's provision in her life. She's, the trials in her life have so distracted her from that. She's taken her eyes off the Lord. But however, God's at work. 
and he's at work with the Moabite woman who's standing beside her when she cries out and says that she, uh, the Lord has dealt bitterly with her. So you fast forward the story. Ruth meets a man named Boaz, and it turns out that Boaz is what they call a kinsman redeemer. And so what that means is this. In this book, you have two kind of legal situations that are expressed together um, there in their culture. As a redeemer, one could redeem the property of a dead relative, and it kept the property from leaving the family. It, it, it kept it in the family forever. And then um, the Leverite marriage is an, another thing that's at work here. And what happened with that was a, a brother would marry his dead brother's spouse when they had no children so as to provide an heir, okay, so that, that they were be an heir. So you kind of have these two ideas working together here with the kinsman redeemer. And so Boaz has the ability legally to marry Ruth, to keep the property in the family, and to produce an heir ultimately to carry on the name of her dead husband, Naomi's son. And so this would be an incredible blessing to both Naomi and to Ruth. Long story short, Boaz is a stand-up godly guy, and he redeems her. And they, have, they get married and they have a son. And the book ends with Naomi celebrating her grandson, exclaiming, though I was empty, now I'm full. And that grandson would be the father of a man named Jesse, who would then be the father to a boy named David, who would grow up to be king. And through King David, we know we get the line of the Messiah. And we get we, the Lord Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah, comes through that messianic line of King David. David. Incredible story here of God, how, how God uses this outcast, this Moabite woman, this, uh, that he converts from idolatry uh, to being a part of the people of God and uses her in incredible ways in, 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 in Naomi's life, but also uses Boaz in her life and just how God works through people to accomplish his purposes for his glory. But the book, though it's named Ruth, it begins and ends with Naomi. She goes from empty to full. And God does a wonderful work in and through her family and it begins here with this relationship with this friend, this, this daughter-in-law named Ruth. And it, it reminds us, as you read this story, of our need for relationships. And I think this story reveals three principles about the need for healthy friendships and relationships in our lives. So I want to share those with you to help us remember our needs and why it is we need friendship, why it is we need healthy relationships so bad. And so the first one is the creation principle. You know, Ruth and Naomi could have split up and went their separate ways. They both could have went back to their own, hus uh, their own homelands, uh, and they could have returned alone. But Naomi, while she could have done that, you know, she, she needed a friend. Whether she realized it or not, she didn't need to be alone. And the reason we know this is Genesis tells us that. We're not created to be alone. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. This is before the fall. This is right after God makes the first man. He says, you know what? We don't just need one person on this planet. We need two. And so we get the idea of marriage there, of a husband and a wife, two people committing themselves to one another in marriage and then and God tells them to go and fill the earth. But there's another principle at play here, and that is that humanity needs one another, and we need people in our lives. We, we need relationships. If there's one thing that we've noticed about this pandemic is that it's, it, we're not meant to live this way. We're not meant to live in quarantine right? It's gotten to the point where it's kind of surreal to bump into someone while you're out at a store or something like that that you haven't seen in a while. The other day, I bumped into a church member. I was at Subway to get a sandwich and I bumped into a church member and uh, they, were, they were behind me, uh, a few people in line. And so I, I turned and I waved and, and said something to them. They didn't recognize me and I kept waving and kept saying something to them. Now, in, in their defense, I was wearing a hat and glasses. And, and, uh, but um, I got to thinking about it. I thought, well, there were like three or four people behind. Um, and in today's world, that's 
almost like 100 yards, right? And so they were like way, way down there. But man, afterwards we stood outside and we talked for a little bit and uh, I had not, you know, seen this person. I'd spoken to them on the phone, but I had not seen them uh, person to person like this in a couple of months, right? And, uh, and it's, it's weird now when you bump into somebody like that, but we're not created to live apart from one another. We're created to have friendships. We're created uh, to, to need friends. We're created in such a way that we need community. We're made for it. You know, we're created in God's image, the Bible says. And God is a triune God. There's one God who is eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God exists in perfect community within himself. Uh, God did not create Adam and he did not create Eve because he was lonely, uh, because he needed a friend. Um, God exists in perfect community within himself. I like the way one scholar put it. He said, friendship is not something that was created. It's always existed perfectly within the Godhead. That's an incredible thought to think about that Perfect friendship has existed for all eternity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's why when you experience a healthy friendship, it's such a blessing and it's an encouragement and it's life-giving. It's because you're tapping into something, man, that, that's eternally good. Uh, friendships, man, they're, they're, those kind of things are always going to be around. That it's, even when you're in heaven, if you're a believer in Christ, four billion years from now, you're going to have relationships with other people. Uh, we are created for community. Heaven is going to be a community. So there's the creation principle. There's also the fall principle. And you look at the life of Naomi and Ruth, and it has been decimated by sin and calamity. You see here um, all kinds of uh, sin, pain, calamity, trials, famine. Um, you know, these, all these things that are taking place in their lives are all things that are taking place because it's post-fall. Sin has entered the world. And the world is now a broken place. And you see all kinds of brokenness as the effects of the fall. Life is harder now. Life is more difficult now. Uh, there is sickness and death and there's hurt and there's pain now. And I, I like what the writer of Ecclesiastes says in Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 12. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. See, you may think you don't need others, but at some point you're going to go through a cold time. At some point you're going to fall down. At some point uh, you might need to prevail. At some point you're going to need help because life is hard. We live in a broken world, and so, so we need people. So you've got the creation principle, you're created for it. You've got, the, you've got the, the fall principle, which tells us life's hard, so we need friends. And then there's a third principle, and that's the redemptive principle. You know, God uses people, and he always has. He uses people for redemptive and transformative purposes in the lives of others. In fact, how, is God, how does God bring redemption into the world? Well, we know all the way back in Genesis 3.15, he promised to do it through the seed of the woman, that, that there would be one who would come who would crush the head of the serpent. And after the fall, God tells them, the curse is going to be broken. It's going to be broken by a person that's going to come through your line. Uh, the seed of the woman is going to come, and he's going to crush the head of the serpent. The Bible reveals that person to be Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God, uh, the God-man, 100% God, 100% flesh, who lived a sinless life and who went to the cross and died for our sins and has rose again and who has stepped on the head of the serpent who has crushed the head of the serpent. God redeems ultimately, we know, through Jesus Christ. 
In Ruth and Naomi's story, there is a redeemer named Boaz, and God uses him, as we said, to protect and provide for Ruth. But he points us ahead to the ultimate redeemer, who is Jesus, who would come through his line. See, Jesus is a supreme example of how God uses people to redeem and transform the lives of others. But this story reminds us of something else, uh, that God uses friends in redemptive and transformative ways in our lives. God worked through Ruth to bless Naomi. Uh, God worked through um, Boaz to bless Ruth. Um, And Naomi gets led from a place of emptiness to fullness because God uses Ruth in her life. God works through people, and he loves to work through his people. God works through people to encourage us, to bless us, to hold us accountable, to strengthen us, to comfort us, to call us out when we need it. God, God loves to work through people in redemptive and transformative and encouraging ways. You know, all friendships are ultimately transformative in some way. They even build us up or they tear us down. They, they do one or the other. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, friendship can be a school of virtue or it can be a school of vice. And isn't that the truth? Proverbs thirteen twenty says it this way. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools, the friend of fools, will suffer harm. It always has an impact on us. This is why we, who we draw close to matters. Who we become close friends with matters. Who we allow to pour into our life matters. Who we take counsel from matters. Who we walk through life with matters. We need people in our lives who will help us, encourage us, build us up, not tear us down. So how do we build those relationships? We see that we need them. Creation, the fall, the redemptive principle, all these things point to that. How do we build them? So let me give you some principles for building healthy relationships as we look at the life of Ruth and Naomi here. The first principle, number one, build on a solid foundation. Build on a solid foundation. Notice in the story, Ruth commits to Naomi's God and to Naomi's people. Ultimately, we see she converts to being a believer in Yahweh, the one true God. The the foundation of their relationship is built around God and his people. Naomi now, she has not been a stellar example of faith. But God has worked, and he is working in the life of Ruth, in her heart. And he's going to work through her in the life of Naomi. And, you know, the best relationships are built on the foundation of common faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we, can, we can make fast friends with people that we have things in common with, common hobbies, things of that nature, where we grew up, whatever it might be. And, and there's some things that they have in common here, right? They, they have their, their family in common. The, 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 the sons of Naomi, the son of Naomi, who was, the, who was the husband of Ruth, they have those things in common. But we make eternal friendships with those we have a spiritual father in common with. Uh, imagine right now if an earthquake was to begin to strike this building and all of a sudden the camera is shaking, the table is shaking, lights are shaking, and it's not hard to imagine, right? I mean, we've got, we've got a pandemic, we've got murder hornets swarming around, and so we got like a 50-50 shot before I'm done that an earthquake's going to hit. So um, as a way, as a way I'm, and I'm just kidding, but here's the deal. The lighter the things the more they're going to shake and fall over and break. The heavier the things, right, the weightier the things, the better foundation they have, the greater chance they have to, to, to stand strong. And in a similar way, friendships built on the eternal things of God, on God and his word and his people, on those things, have a chance to weather the storms and to be with you when you go through the dark, difficult storms and earthquakes of this life. Because those times will come. 
The question will be, will we have friendships that are built on a solid foundation? But there's another thing here we need to know about building healthy relationships. Not only do you need to build on a solid foundation, you need to build with people of trustworthy character. Build with people of trustworthy character. Ruth's character stands out in this story in an incredible way. The commitment she shows to her mother-in-law, the sacrifice to be willing to travel back to her people with, the people that would have considered her an enemy, right? This is an incredible thing. It's no easy decision. It shows incredible commitment and sacrifice. And her character is on display throughout the whole book. In fact, Boaz recognizes her character a chapter or two later, and it draws him to her, right? Ruth shows loyalty. She shows commitment. She shows sacrifice and faithfulness. And here's the thing. You need friends like that. You, you need godly friends who will be committed to your good for God's glory. And there's a difference in people that are committed to your happiness and committed to your good. And, and you need to know the difference uh, of the two. You need folks willing to say hard things to you sometimes. To be real honest. You, you need people who want to see you flourish and who care about you and who will invest in you, but who will do so in a way that God intends, that want to see you become like Jesus. You need these people in your life. We all do. I need them. You need them. And believer, you need some, if you need high character, godly, trustworthy people in your life, do you know the best place to find them? I still believe this. With all of the flaws, with all of our blemishes, the best place to find them is the local church. It just is. It's, it's a local church. Um, think about it like this. Um, think of the church like a garden. God's people like a, a garden. Uh, the, the, and we're, we, we grow and we we're, we're the thrive in the church. You know, I remember reading uh, a pastor say some years ago that the little uh, tomatillo plants, the, the, those little plants, they, they need multiple plants stationed together in order to grow. You don't just plant one over here. They, they put them together and they grow better and they grow healthier. It's the way they're wired. Christians are a lot like that. And so think of the global church as God's garden, right? Christians all over the world. But then think of the local church as rows in that garden. Because you don't just, if you're planting a garden, you don't just throw seeds out there. You plant them in the rows and all that sort of stuff. And every believer needs to be planted in a row right? Stationed closely together with other believers that we need that community of faith to grow. And the place you're most likely to find those relationships that God's going to use to bless you, to encourage you, to help equip you, to strengthen you are going to be through the local church. Yeah, there's other places that you might find them, but I'm telling you, uh, the local church is an incredible place for that. And it should be a place where we're cultivating healthy friendships and relationships. So, so you need those in your life. You need to build with trustworthy, godly, people of trustworthy, godly character. And then finally, we need to build with an expectant heart. Build with an expectant heart. We see in Naomi's story how God used Ruth. How, we see how God used Boaz in Ruth's story. Uh, we could turn and look at how God used, if we could go over to 1 Samuel and, and, and we could look at how God used Jonathan in David's life or not to mention how God used Samuel in David's life or how God used Nathan when he confronted David over his sin in his life. Or we could flip to the New Testament and see how God used Barnabas in the Apostle Paul's life or when Peter had some sin uh, that it, he didn't realize that he had sin in his heart and he was doing something that was wrong and how God used Paul to confront Peter. and all, The Bible's just full of these stories. So you need to approach healthy relationships and friendships with an expectant heart because God has a habit, Old Testament, New Testament, all the way to today, of working through people to impact people. So you should expect that in your own life as well. You should pray for that and seek that. Don't have so many walls up in your life that encouragement and, yes, even rebuke can't get through. Expect God to work in your life through godly people who, yes, love you, but also love God. And both of those things are important. You know, the most important relationship is a relationship with God. Bottom line, the one who ultimately transformed Naomi and Ruth's life, the ultimate transformer, it was God. 
The ultimate redeemer in this story is Jesus. That's the one it's pointing us to. You know what Jesus says about friendship in John 15? Let me read John 15, verses 12 through 15. Jesus says this, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You see, through the gospel, we get the greatest friend of all. We, we get the friend who sticks closer than a brother, as Proverbs says. We, we can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And like Naomi, our lives can go from being empty to being full. Because Jesus is not only the great life giver, he's the life filler. He fills our life with meaning and with purpose, all those things. Jesus fills our life. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He reconciles us to God so that we become friends with God. That's why Jesus came, right? I mean, talking about an ultimate friend, talking about commitment and sacrifice, he came to lay down his life for us. That though we're sinners who are separated from God by our sin, Jesus Christ came, lived a sinless life, went to the cross to die in our place, to bear our sin, to lay down his life for us, and then to rise again. And if we will turn away from our sin and believe in him, trust him, and follow him, we can be reconciled to God. We can become friends with God through Jesus. What a friend Jesus is. He, he connects us to the Father. Jesus is the ultimate friend. Do you know Jesus? Do you know God through the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the most important relationship that you can start today. And in fact, if you've never done that, we invite you to even right there in your home to call out to God and ask him to save you. If you'll turn away from your sin and trust Jesus and what he's done for you to save you, the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you want to make that decision or you make that decision or you would like, uh, have, if you've got questions about it, email us at info at gonorthpark.com and we'd love to talk with you about that or celebrate that decision with you. Believer, recognize your need today for healthy relationships, for healthy friendships, and look at the, the principle of creation and fall and redemption and see the need, but then, then commit today to building healthy friendships with godly people with an expectant heart, asking God to do incredible things in your life through others. Don't let this pandemic keep you so separated that you can't pick up the phone, make a phone call, FaceTime, stay connected with people you know and love because we, we need one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who, who, who wants to be in relationship with us and wants us to be in relationship with one another. So Father, I pray right now, if there's anyone here to, that's watching, that's, that's tuning in right now, that Lord, that, that they would, if they don't, that don't know Christ, that they would right now turn away from sin to Jesus and be reconciled to you through Christ. And I pray, Lord, for every believer, every believer that's tuned in right now, Lord, that we would be faithful to, to see our need to be a friend and to, to, to be someone who, who exhibits healthy relationships, it can be the kind of person that can be in those, but at the same time, to see our need for them ourselves. And let, us, let North Park be a place, we pray God, where healthy friendships are built, eternal friendships are built for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.